HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Go to Cheeselandia.com to learn more, and if it's for you, sign up. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and sometimes playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. We have a special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you, the listener, to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Special guest, what shape are you? I'm broad and flat. Are you grown or made? I'm grown. And what do you taste like? Well, when I'm eating raw, which is okay, I'm sometimes sweet, sometimes a little bitter, and sometimes spicy. Oof, this is tough. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm tough. But long cooking can make me tender. Who are your best friends in the kitchen? My best friends are garlic, onions, and bacon. Mmm, yum. I think I have an idea. What color are you? I'm what you get when you mix yellow and blue. And my color is my name. You're greens. Hannah, they always say to eat your greens. When I was growing up, we had some sort of greens a lot usually cooked with lots of garlic. My dad loves Swiss chard, and we probably had that more than any other type of green. As I got older, I branched out to collards, kale, mustard greens, spinach, beet greens, cabbage leaves, you name it. If it's leafy and you can cook it with bacon and garlic, I'm into it. Oh, I love my greens so much. In fact, I just planted some collard green seeds in little starter pots in my house, so they'll be ready and big and strong to plant outside once it warms up in the next month or two. I can't wait to be able to walk outside and harvest my own greens, and I'm going to mix them with other wild greens and cook them together. I can usually find mustard and dandelion greens in the yard. I'll be sure to keep you guys all posted as my collards start growing.
seven years old, and I have a joke for you. What kind of vegetable can you sow with? String beans. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. What common root vegetable is shard related to? Keep an ear out for the answer. You might remember Adrian Miller, a.k.a. the Soul Food Scholar, from our last episode. Now, greens are an important part of any traditional soul food meal. They're usually braised, cooked in flavorful broth until soft and heavenly, and might be a combination of whatever hearty greens are in season. Yum. Braised greens are a staple in my house, especially during the winter. Collard greens and spinach are especially flavorful and easy to find, even in the colder months. Now, before we get into greens, we asked Adrian, as the soul food scholar himself, how he defines soul food and how it fits into African-American food culture. I would say soul food is just one of the cuisines of African-Americans in the United States. Uh, One mistake that's often made is that people think soul food is all that African-Americans cook, but it's just one of the things. So I think the Creole food of New Orleans, the low country food of say like Charleston and Savannah, Georgia, and even Southern food as a regional cuisine are somewhat different. There's a lot of overlap in terms of ingredients and techniques, but there are differences. Last week, we learned about okra and gumbo, a great example of Creole food. Now let's talk about what we might find on our plates. So a typical soul food meal would be something like fried chicken or fried catfish or something called chitterlings, which are pig intestines that are stewed or fried. That's not for everybody. You may be grossed out. And then the side dishes would be greens, could be collard, kale, mustard, turnip greens or cabbage, black-eyed peas, uh, candied sweet potatoes or candy jams as they're called, or macaroni and cheese, um, some cornbread, some hot sauce, a red drink, like a red Kool-Aid, for example. And then dessert could be a pound cake, peach cobbler, banana pudding, or sweet potato pie. Oh, yum. That sounds like a perfect meal. We asked Adrian, out of all of the amazing dishes that make up soul food, what he felt was the most important. His answer ties into the geographic history of the amazing flavors of African-American food. I would say the one dish that's iconic is greens because uh, greens were very important to West Africans and um, they, they ate a green that was called bitter leaf. And so it was grown in a tropical climate. So when enslaved Africans came to the British colonies and what would later become the United States, um, they were moving from a tropical climate to a temperate climate. So you couldn't exactly grow the same things. And so what they wanted to do is they still wanted to eat the the leaves of green plants, right? What we call greens. And so they substituted greens that were tasting similar to what they had experienced in, in West Africa. So that's why the bitter, dark, bitter greens of Europe are the ones that get um, basically become a part of soul food. And in West Africa, where they would have used smoked fish to maybe flavor those greens, Over here, they use smoked pork and then later smoked turkey. So you can see an example of someone taking something that's very important to their diet, being uh, forced to live in a new place and just trying to figure things out. And so they look for something familiar and make it their own. Now, there's a lot of talk out there about fried food being unhealthy. 
but I'm a big believer that you should eat at least a little bit of everything that makes you happy. And Adrian agrees. You may have heard that soul food is unhealthy or that it's not good for you, but soul food has a lot of vegetables, a lot of great stuff that's good for you. And so um, it's really just a matter of how this the food is cooked and what you, uh, how frequently you eat the glorious stuff like the fried chicken and the biscuits and the desserts. Uh, you can have a well-balanced meal that includes soul food. And then a lot of times soul food will have, you know, fish or other things that nutritionists are telling us to eat surrounded by vegetables, greens, black eyed peas, and candy jams. So I hope people will um, take a fresh look at soul food and not buy into the story that it's just so bad for you. We are so lucky to have had Adrian Miller share his voice on not one, but two episodes. Parents, we recommend you check out his books, including the newest Black Smoke, African Americans, and the United States of Barbecue, which is available to pre-order before its release date in the spring. Now, don't go away. It's still time for lunch after the break. My name is Sarah Kim, and I'm from Austin, Texas. I'm a Cheeselandian because while life is great, cheese makes it better. Wisconsin cheese has proven time and time again to be a delicious expression of craft, hard work, and tradition. As a Cheeselandian, I'm able to share a Gouda experience with fellow cheese and food lovers nationwide, as well as connect with cheese producers and cheesemongers, taking my love of cheese to another level. I invite you to join Cheeselandia because during these difficult times, it has been even more important to take it easy and get cheesy. The Cheeselandia community and events have been the glue helping to keep us together and connected. And I would love it if you would join me. And let's face it, if you hear the word cheese and get a little hungry, then you've found a place you can call home. To find out more about Cheeselandia, go to cheeselandia.com. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. Today, we're celebrating flavorful, nutritious greens and their important role in African-American cuisine. Greens are good for you, and I'm not saying that just because I'm a dad. Leafy green vegetables are full of good stuff for your body, fiber, vitamins, and minerals. Eating greens can help protect you from many diseases, including heart disease, diabetes, and cancer, and can also help you live longer. Chard is closely related to beets. It is basically a beet that has been bred to have fat, juicy stems and big leaves, instead of channeling most of its energy into big roots. Now, one pound of fresh spinach leaves is about 12 cups. And when you cook it down, you'll get just about one cup of cooked spinach. Uh, I always think I'm going to have so much spinach, and then when it's cooked, it's so small. Swiss chard is a descendant of the wild beet. The wild plant grows along the Mediterranean and Atlantic coasts of North Africa and is known as the sea beet. Speaking of beets, it's time for a dance break. Good one.
way back in episode number 18, we talked all about collard greens. That's Jermaine Jenkins, our friend at Fresh Future Farm in North Charleston, South Carolina. Collards, if you don't know what they are, they're like a giant leaf of spinach, but it takes way longer to cook it because it's got a tougher skin. It tastes really good, especially with lots of garlic. And I actually have a recipe for that that's also just like four ingredients, where in Brazil, when they cook collards, you know, they usually serve it with the national um, dish of like feijoada, which is a Brazilian version of pork and beans. And you know, you'll have this uh, sauteed collards and you just roll the um, collard greens up and then you slice them really thin like shoestrings. And then you saute them in lots of garlic and olive oil. And then I just add broth or water for 30 to 45 minutes and they're done. Yum. The more garlic, the better, as far as I'm concerned. I guess we'll have to do an episode about garlic one of these days. The slicing technique that Jermaine mentioned is sometimes called a chiffonade. And as you heard, this is a version of a recipe that made it to Brazil and back, another place in the New World where African people and their descendants have had an influence on the cuisine. But the other thing about collard greens is that I learned that you can use the collard green like a Band-Aid. What the heck? This is so cool. My kid had scratched an infection on their skin. I took him to the doctor, and the doctor was like, well, give it a couple of days. If it shrinks, then we don't have to pop it like a zit. So um, I went home, and my mom was like, well, when we were little, we would either put, like, fat back, that's a whole other story, kids, or collards on an infected space. So I did that, and the what was cool is just as the same way that you would cook spinach or, like, put bacon on spinach for it to wilt, the collard green leaf actually wilted, and the infection decreased. I tell everybody, okay, you got an infection, you can put a collard green on it. You burn your finger in the kitchen, just wrap your finger up with a collard green right away. It will stop the pain immediately. There will be no swelling. Not only can you eat your greens, but you can use them as a band-aid. Thanks again to Jermaine Jenkins from Fresh Future Farm. If you're ever in Charleston, it's worth a visit. They have a farm stand, teach classes, run a summer camp, and so much more. It's a magical place. Ah. Uh. I'm going to cook up some collards, just like Jermaine described, and maybe I'll save a leaf or two in case I get a boo-boo. Okay, now it's that time in the show where Harry and I sit down and chat about what a bright spot from our last week has been. And we're almost done with February, and I have to say February is not a time where there are many bright spots, even literally. It's pretty, pretty dark. So Harry, anything to share? Well... It's a beautiful day here today, and the sun is shining, and we sat outside. Even though it was a tad bit cold, it was so nice to sit outside in the sun and have a little bit of lunch. So that really brightened my day. And just a few weeks ago, I put some taps into my maple trees to collect sap to make maple syrup, and the buckets are full, and so it's time to start boiling. Keep an ear out in our next season in a few weeks for an episode all about maple syrup. Ooh, that's so exciting. Now, I'd have to say, um, my bright spots are, like I mentioned, planting some seedlings in my house. I find that there's honestly nothing more exciting and happy-making than getting to watch plants grow every day. Um, It's really magical. 
And another bright spot that I want to just shout out is that this is the last episode of our third season. Holy moly, it's been three seasons and we are so grateful to all of our listeners and guests for being a part of it. And especially this week, it feels really good to welcome back the voice of the wonderful and generous and funny and wise Jermaine Jenkins, who was one of the first people we interviewed for this show. Um, And so she's been a really important part of it. You can listen back to our early episodes on collards and peaches to hear more from her. It feels like a really nice full circle. So listeners, we'll probably be taking a break for a few weeks as we gather some more tasty stories with you for our fourth season. But if there are any episodes in our backlog you haven't listened to yet, now's a great time to go back and catch up. And as always, send us your jokes, your stories, and if you grow anything for the spring, we would love to see a picture of it. Ooh, definitely. At the beginning of the episode, we asked... What common root vegetable is chard related to? And the answer is... Chard is closely related to beets. It is basically a beet that has been bred to have fat, juicy stems and big leaves instead of channeling most of its energy into big roots. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch today. We'll be back in a few weeks with more tasty stories. This show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden with engineering by Liam Werner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Werner. Special thanks this week to Adrian Miller, the Soul Food Scholar, and Jermaine Jenkins of Fresh Future Farm. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen, the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org, and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And especially during the break, we're going to miss you terribly. So stay in touch. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or if you'd just like to tell us what you had for lunch, we love to hear from our listeners. Send us your recipes, poems, book or podcast recommendations or anything else you think we'd like. It's super easy to record yourself using the voice memo app on an iPhone. Ask a grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and address so we can send you something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. We'll see you guys in a few weeks.